0: Well, it's Christmas time yet again. That chill is in the air, and it looks like we're due for a bit of snow. I'm sure it'll be nothing compared to that one Christmas a few years back. You remember? Terrible storm. Come to think of it, that was the same Christmas I ran into those three hitchhikers in that big old mansion, but... Well, (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself. I guess it would make the most sense to start at the beginning. One snowy Christmas Eve back in 1920 something. As I was saying, it all began one Christmas Eve. A wicked storm had rolled in, and I found myself battling a blizzard as I made my way home from Saratoga and the family Rickenbacker. The drive was long and rough, but I'd finally made it just past Terrytown, and it wouldn't be long until home was in view. Ooh, I could practically smell Mother's cookies baking in the oven, and that's when I sold them three strange fellas hitchhiking on the side of the road one big one skinny and one (laughs) well i don't know how quite to describe him but he was one of the strangest little guys i'd ever seen
1: all right now be quiet i'll do the talking Gus, hide the chains (laughs) please don't blow it this time i can't stay in this cold much longer hey there you fellas need a lift Yes, sir, if you'd be so kind. Where you headed? How far are you going? Yonkers. Oh, that'll be dandy. Alright, hop on in. Swell, swell.
0: Much obliged, sir. Well, I couldn't very well leave you out in this storm. Especially on Christmas Eve of all nights. Well, thank you. And we're
2: off to Yonkers.
3: <coughs>
2: Your friend alright? Oh, uh, that's just Gus. He don't talk none. Smart as a whip, though, and he's He's mostly... he's clever. (laughs) A mute, huh?
0: I had a great aunt that was a mute. Trained him a car to talk for her. Would you believe that? I haven't seen her in years, though. Not since the last family reunion. I reckon it was about seven years ago now. Yep, that was it. 1920. She wouldn't stop asking for crackers.
1: Wait, what year was it? Say, I never caught your names. Uh, Oh! Uh, the name's Ezra. Bean, this is my associate, Professor Phineas Plump. What? Hush. And then you've already gotten acquainted with our friend Gus.
0: Pleased to meet you. Name's Sherman. John Sherman. Good to know you,
2: John. Do you have family in these parts, or do you have business in New York? Oh, no, nothing like that. We three have been traveling together now for some time. Been all over the place by now. Matter of fact, we spent last Christmas in New Orleans. Ooh, that sounds like a hoot.
1: I don't recommend it. It was a real nightmare.
2: He's just being dramatic. He just hates Cajun cooking. Well, I'm sure it's nice
0: not having to do all that traveling alone. Must be nice to have friends there for you. You know, you're right about that. It is really nice. It's fine. And how did you all come to meet? Was it a lecture of yours, Professor?
4: Hmm?
2: Oh, no. Actually, it's a funny story. You see, a while back, there was this wandering corner... Oh, doggone thing.
0: Looks like a bit of engine trouble. I'll hop out and see what the damage is. You fellas sit tight.
1: What are you doing? You want to tell him your whole life story?
2: I'm just making polite conversation. He seems like a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gus says you're being reckless. know what he said. Stop it. Phineas...
1: Do you realize how many people want us dead right now? The Bullions, the Pinkertons, the Bureau, that society? You're swapping stories about mute aunts and supernatural carnivals. Meanwhile, we have a bounty on our heads in four states.
2: None of which are anywhere near New York. You're making a mountain out of a molehill yet again, Mr. Bean. What the heck kind of a name is Ezra Bean? The kind of name that doesn't attract attention, Professor Plump. Oh, yeah. Don't think I didn't catch that tidbit. Thanks a lot for that.
0: <laughs> well, sorry, gents. <chants. laughs> you're welcome to wait, but I don't know how long this is going to take. Seems to be an issue with the carburetor.
1: Is there a garage nearby? How far are we from a town? None for a couple miles,
0: and I'm not sure I'd want to take any long strolls in this storm. No, you're right.
1: I'm not mechanically inclined, but I'll try to help. I'm going to have a smoke. You want one, Gus? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, come on. Yep, that'll warm you right up, Gus.
0: It stayed that way for a while. The tall one and the short one wandering on the side of the road, as Phineas did his best to help me with that automobile. All of a sudden though, the short one, Gus, he started looking all over the place, almost as if he'd just woken up from a dream and was realizing where he was.
1: Hey, hey, Gus! What's the matter, pal?
0: With that, Gus was off. Running into the wilderness for what, at the time, I couldn't tell you. And the tall one set off after. Gus? Gus! And then the professor, too. What on earth?
2: I'll be right back, John. I've got to see what's going on. Go, go. What happened? I, I don't know.
1: We were just standing around and he spotted this tree and then just bolted. Well, let's
2: find him. I'm sure he couldn't have gotten too far.
0: But after a while, they both came to realize that they had gone much further into the forest than they had initially thought. And very soon, forwards looked like backwards, and all still with no sign of Gus.
2: Gus! Where could he be? Gus! Where are you, you little punk? Where are we? I have no idea. I can't see the car just trees as far as the... Wait, look over there. Is that a clearing? Come on!
0: At last, they came to a clearing, and in front of them, through the snowy haze, they spotted Gus. He stood, almost transfixed on something ahead of them, though what they couldn't yet see.
1: When I get my hands on that little runt, I'm gonna... Whoa.
0: That's when they finally saw him. High atop a hill, a colossal mansion of brick and limestone came into view. It stood, a dark monument looming over them, eternal and unwavering as the winter winds whipped and beat against it, plastering its soot-stained bricks with pure white snow. Gus looked back at them for just a moment and then started marching towards the house.
2: Gus, stop! What are you doing? We really should get back to the car. It'll be dark soon.
1: I don't know what your angle here is, but this has really gone too far. Now let's get out of here before somebody comes to the door. Just then,
0: the mammoth door creaked open, and the trio was met by a lady. A maid by the looks of it, our friends had a lot to explain. And fast.
5: Good evening. May I help you, gentlemen? And a Merry Christmas
1: to you, ma'am. <laughs> the name is Ezra Bean, Esquire. These are my colleagues, Professor Plump and Gus. We were on our way to Yonkers when our automobile gave out on us and stranded us in the storm.
5: And the reason for your friend's ball and chain is? We are
1: headed to a Christmas Eve costume party.
5: Ah, hence your rust about hobo ensemble, I see come again you're welcome to use the telephone to call a garage perhaps they will be able to assist do come in
1: all right gus now don't get too excited you'll have to forgive my friend
5: not at all you'll find the telephone in the drawing room right through there
1: i'll call maybe i could get someone out to mr sherman
2: good idea
5: while you gentlemen wait you may join the family as they are gathered in the conservatory
2: conservatory This is some house you've got here.
5: Oh, it's not mine, sir. I simply assist in the running of the household. This mansion has been the home of the Dredd family for over sixty years, though it has been in the family through distant relations for nearly two centuries.
2: Wow. Well, always good to see a family gathered for the holidays.
5: Oh, were that only the case, Professor? Unfortunately, we're gathered this evening under much more sorrowful circumstances.
2: Oh, dear.
0: All the blood drained from Phineas's face. The doorway opened to reveal a room draped all in black. The dread family all sat in chairs facing the plant-filled window as three other men stood by the fireplace, and in front of them all, amongst the exotic floor and wreaths, sat an ornate black coffin. The entire room turned and looked at their strange new guest. A woman draped in furs piped up.
5: Miss Sweeney... Who are these people? Apologies, ma'am. May I present Professor Phineas Plump and Gus. I went to the door expecting carolers, but it was these gentlemen. Their car broke down up on the road, so I invited them in so that they could call the garage and not have to wait in that awful storm. Their colleague, uh, Mr. Bean, is on the phone with the garage as we speak. And the ball and chain?
2: A uh, Christmas costume party. Ah, very well. Listen, had we known that you were holding a funeral, we would never- Oh, come now, stop it. The funeral was Thursday. No, we're
6: gathered this evening for my late husband's will reading. Welcome to my home, Professor.
4: Actually, it's the bank's home until the inheritance is properly dispensed.
6: Ah, yes, where are my manners? Professor Plump, introductions are in order. These are my nephew and niece, Wellington and Forsythia. They've been with us for some time. Their father sadly passed away during the war, and we are just so glad to have them.
2: Of course you are. Merry Christmas, kids. Your father made a great sacrifice for his country.
5: Our mother killed our father.
2: Oh. Oh, not this again.
4: We've seen things.
5: Terrible things.
2: Shut up, you infernal children.
6: Children, please. You'll have to forgive them. The mind of a child so prone to flights of fancy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then there is my brother-in-law, who is half-rats over there on his fourth cup of punch, Bertie Dread.
2: Of Major Bertram's wilderness Wizbang, The adventurer and gamesman's jocular journal? Indeed, sir. You're a fan? <laughs> Very much so, Major. Ah, a man of quality. Well, <laughs> bully for you.
6: And then the three distinguished gentlemen over by the fire are my husband's attorneys. Mr. Xavier Hobbs. Good evening. Mr. Harper Hobbs. Gentlemen? And the rather rude gentleman with the thinning hair that
4: interrupted me is Mr. Roland Hobbs. Very droll, Florence. I must ask, though, friend, what kind of Christmas costume party does one go to where you dress up like you've escaped a mental asylum?
2: Uh, Zelda Fitzgerald?
4: Uh.
5: Our mother's in a mental asylum.
1: Alright, I talked to the mechanic, he said he'd try, but with the storm- Oh, wow.
6: Mr. Bean, may I presume?
1: Mr. Bean was my father, ma'am. Ezra's just fine.
6: Welcome to our home, Ezra. I am Florence McGriffin Dredd. I was just telling your friends that we've gathered this evening to honor my dear husband, Jacob Dredd, and hear his will. You gentlemen are welcome to join and indulge some of the Christmas punch and cookies, which your friend appears to have found.
1: Gus, mind your manners. Can't leave you alone for five minutes.
4: Mrs. Dredd?
5: It's highly irregular, ma'am.
6: All of this is irregular. Gathered together on Christmas Eve to hear my husband's final will? His body beside me in a box? Unless one of them is a half-brother he never told me about, what have they to gain?
1: I don't know what Gus has gotten us into here, but I don't think I could take much more weirdness. Ah!
0: Suddenly from above, a raven fluttered in and perched on top of a portrait. He looked down at the trio with an inquisitive
5: stare. Oh, that's just Enoch. There's an old aviary at the back of the mansion. Exclusively houses ravens. There are dozens in there, but this one was always Jacob's favorite. Gosh! Oh, and now you see why. Yes, Enoch, that's very good. That is the portrait of Sir Thomas. It... talks. The... the bird can talk. Oh yes, ravens are very smart. Remarkable. Trap? Trap? Uh, What's he mean, trap? Oh yes, Sir Thomas's Trap. That's the name of the painting. It's one of a pair. You see, he was lured into a duel under false pretenses. Little did he know the duel was rigged and he was shot and killed before he even touched the trigger.
4: Oh dear. Everyone, if you'd please take your seat. We're ready to begin. Just then, one of the
0: Hobbs rolled out the old Victrola to the center of the room. Roland hit the switch, and the record began to play.
2: What is the meaning of this?
4: I'm sure you all know Jacob had a knack for the theatrical. His passing is no exception.
7: Good evening to you all. Jacob! I am speaking to you via this record from the Hobbs' Pine Street office. This, the ninth day of October... 1927. I'm sure you are all gathered with great anticipation and many questions. Rest assured you will get all what is deserved. I, Jacob Whitfield Dread, being of sound body and mind, have come a simple conclusion. I cannot in good conscience leave my vast fortune to any one of you of my own accord. Now, now, you needn't friend. <laughs> I won't be leaving it to charity or the orphanages. You know I never do something so foolish. I will be leaving it to chance. This house has been in our family for generations. Its storied halls weave like that of a maze. Its mysteries are innumerable. Even in my age, this house still has new secrets to reveal to me, and now it will reveal them to you. Somewhere in this house, there is a lockbox. It contains the deeds, titles, and contracts to all of my stocks, bonds, accounts, and properties, including this house. All of them are signed. You need only find the papers and fill in your name. All of you who are in this room right now, with the exception of my attorneys, of course, are entitled to seek my fortune. The Hobbs will facilitate the details, but you need not worry. Only I know the location of the lockbox. Farewell, my family, and Oh, yes. Good luck.
0: With that, the recording stopped, and the room descended
4: into anarchy. This is absurd.
2: I won't have it. It simply won't stand.
4: He thought this was how this would go. It's one thing
6: to leave out the lush brother, but to leave your own wife penniless.
4: Oh,
2: like you loved him. He was always a meal ticket for you. That's why you kept your last name.
6: I, sir, was an actress.
2: You were a vaudeville
0: hack. Major. Ladies, gentlemen, please, before we say something we'll regret in front of the kids, keep in mind one of you may find the box. Or us. Oh, and what will
2: you little creeps do with it?
3: Oh, you forget. We have one thing you lack,
2: Uncle. And what's that?
3: Our sobriety.
2: (laughs) That's
4: it. Fetch my gun. Major, please. Jacob's instructions were very clear. We were to play this record this evening, and the search would commence in a sporting fashion at the top of the hour.
3: Christmas inheritance hunt?
5: Marvelous!
1: Well, it sounds like we're all in for a very interesting Christmas. I'd just like to wish you all the best of luck, and me and my associates won't try to find it too fast.
6: You three need to leave. Come again? I want you three out of here. This was supposed to be a gathering for family, a family in mourning, might I add. I will not have some random interlopers put the security of my family now in jeopardy just because their car happened to break down at the most prodigiously opportune moment.
1: Your husband said everyone in this room, rather than his attorneys, had the right to look for it. You're the one who let us stay. And I think that's an argument that would hold up in court.
4: Roland? As much as it grieves
6: me to say
1: it, he's right.
6: If you find that lockbox, I will bury you in the courts.
1: Now, now. That's an awful lot of litigation for someone who won't be able to afford a lawyer come sunrise.
2: I warn
4: you. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is now. In a few seconds, the search will officially and legally begin. Please remember, regardless of the situation, Hobbs, Hobbs, and Hobbs cannot participate or have any effect on who finds that lockbox. We are to remain impartial. To ensure there is no funny business, my brothers and I will stand by and await the results in the parlor.
0: Ready? And... The clock rang out and the race was on. Florence and the twins darted out at a brisk pace, the twins letting out a devious giggle as they rounded the banister and climbed the stairs. Major Bertram, lingered by the punch bowl, and the housekeeper, Ms. Sweeney, sauntered out the door deep in thought. The Hobbs brothers began
4: gathering their suitcases. Major? Huh? Will you be starting your search?
2: First roll of the hunt, old bean. Ensure you have plenty of provisions, and who knows? Our prize might be closer at hand than one may think.
4: Of course. Best of luck, Major. Gentlemen?
2: Something's not right with this place, Ezra. I don't like it. And I'm worried what ended up happening to that nice fellow, Mr. Sherman.
1: John? I'm sure he's fine. The mechanic seemed confident he'd be able to help.
2: You said earlier he was uncertain.
1: About the storm. But he knew he could help him. Look, it's Christmas Eve. We're in a nice house. We're warm. How often does that happen? Let's just enjoy this Christmas miracle, huh? And even if we don't find the money come sunrise, we'll be on the road again, well-rested and probably full bellies. Right, Gus? Gus? They looked around the
2: conservatory, but Gus was nowhere to be found.
1: (sighs) Ugh, that little twerp. Come on, let's catch up with him.
2: Maybe you're right. Maybe I am worrying too much.
1: Will the Christmas miracles ever cease? Let's get going, Professor. Right.
2: We'll see you later, Major. Remember, boys. Speed is useless in the hunt. Patience and wit. That will show you the clearest path. Mark my words. We'll remember that.
0: Well, they got lost once or twice, but Phineas and Ezra finally found Gus at the end of a corridor, still with a handful of gingerbread men, in front of a large painting that went from the floor to the ceiling. The painting was of a great large oak tree and was covered in names.
1: There you are, you little bonehead. Huh. What are you looking at? Huh?
2: It looks like their family tree.
1: Huh. How about that?
0: Gus quickly scuttered and pulled the chair over to the painting. He climbed up onto the seat and began excitedly pointing to a name on a distant branch. The paint was chipped and faded, but the name still read clearly. Angus Gracie?
1: Who the heck is Angus Gracie?
5: Ah, found the family tree, have you? Yes, sir, that's the Great Dread Family Tree. Goes back centuries. That branch over there is the Gracie's. They're the ones that built this house.
2: Miss Sweeney, aren't you looking for the inheritance?
5: Oh, certainly. I was just thinking, perhaps the four of us could work together. There's strength in numbers. The Dreads have all gone off on their own to find the money, all pitted against each other. Except for the twins, of course. They would never cross each other. You three are clever. I know it. And what's more, Miss Florence knows it. That's what has her so upset about you three being here. I don't need the whole inheritance, just a fair cut. Twenty-five percent. What do you say?
1: Uh, Allow me and my colleagues to discuss. Alright, what do we think? (laughs) Gus says he doesn't want to go from getting a thirty-three percent share to twenty-five because of some tag-along spinster. That's a very rude thing to say, Ezra. She seems like a lovely lady. All Gus, not me at all.
2: Oh, so you're for bringing her along. I... Huh. Well, good. It's a two-to-one vote. She comes.
1: I didn't really think that
5: through, did I?
2: <laughs> We'd love to have you, Miss Sweeney. Is it Miss or Mrs? Oh, jeez. Oh,
5: excellent. It's Miss, but you can just call me Maud.
2: Oh, wonderful. Um, Where do you suggest we start, Maud?
5: We could perhaps start in the music room?
2: That sounds like a good idea.
5: Uh, 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 Gus! uh, Gus, uh, stop pulling on my jacket! What's the matter?
2: I don't know.
1: He keeps insisting we go this way instead.
5: The library is in that direction. Jacob kept a journal at his desk in there, I believe. Maybe that could offer some clues.
1: Capital idea! Come on!
0: And so, with a plan at last decided upon, our four friends began their journey into the labyrinth of corridors to try
2: and find the Dread Fortune. I gotta tell you, Maud, I can't help but feel badly about the way this evening went.
5: Oh, don't blame yourself, and don't blame Mrs. Dread either. She's been putting up with Mr. Dread's. eccentricities for years. She thought she was done with antics like this.
1: Jacob was a weirdie,
5: eh? One might say that, yes. Most of the family blamed the madness.
1: Madness?
5: Yes, they call it the Gracie Madness. The story goes that the Gracie that built this house went mad after his wife died. That's why you'll find all kinds of hidden passageways and strange rooms. He couldn't face the fact that she was gone, so he just kept building and building. One night in a mad rage, he murdered his own son and then took his own life. Some people say his ghost still wanders the halls, now lost in the labyrinth he created out of his grief.
2: But what does that have to do with Jacob?
5: Well, after the mad Gracie died, his daughter fell in love with a man, Sir Thomas Dredd.
2: Oh, that fella from the painting in the conservatory.
5: Yes, the very same. And after they were bound in holy matrimony, they say the madness poisoned the dread bloodline and has been a part of the family ever since. And after all the things I've seen i'm not one to disagree you can't be serious i am jacob was a troubled man but his sister alice the children's mother she was worse before becoming jacob and florence's housekeeper i worked solely as the governess to the twins i was there the night their father died mark my words there was a darkness amongst this family What the devil was that? It was a gunshot. It sounded like it came from the conservatory.
1: Hurry, someone might be hurt. Gus, we can look at the library later. Come on. Uh.
0: The four raced into the conservatory to a truly shocking scene. Major Bertram was on the floor in a pool of his own blood. The Hobbs brothers stood over the body as the twins sat on the sofa watching the spectacle. What on
5: earth happened?
2: Major Bertram? He's been murdered.
5: Murdered?
4: Maud, get the kids out of
2: here. They shouldn't have to see this.
5: Death is not a stranger to us, Professor.
4: We have gazed his ashen face before. Oh, right, right. What? My God, Bertie! Harper, call the police. Get them here immediately. O- on it! My brothers and I were in the study still when we heard the shot. I need to know where you all were. Mrs. Dredd, where were you when the gun went off? Surely you don't think one of us.
6: We're his family. If we're looking at anyone, we should look at those three. They just happened to show up here right before all this transpires. And I'm buying that costume party story less and less by the second.
5: They were with me the whole time, ma'am. We were in an upstairs hall by the library.
3: We were in the fruit cellar.
5: Both of us. I was the last one to get here. This is absurd. Florence!
6: Uh, I was in the back of the house. In the kitchen, by myself.
1: So what? No one was here when he was shot?
4: Not no one.
1: Ah!
2: Damned bird.
4: Enoch was the only other one in here when we arrived. So
2: Enoch saw the
4: killer. It would appear that way.
5: Oh no! What? What is it? The bullet hit Sir Thomas's portrait. Oh, a priceless painting. Ruined.
4: Oh. I am not an art person. The, the phones are out. Must be the storm. All right, Xavier, take that blanket and place it over the major. You all are to continue your search. What?
5: We are... That's ridiculous. We... we
4: are snowed in here. No one is coming and someone in this room is willing to kill to ensure that they find their prize. Would you rather allow them to continue their search, hopefully in peace, or make me keep you all here and let them pick us all off one by one? He's right. There's nothing left to do
6: tonight but play the game and see how this ends. Come, Enoch. I'm taking you back to the aviary where you belong.
5: Seed? Fold?
6: Yes, yes, I'll feed you.
5: And so this tangled web endures as yet another weary strand is plucked from the ether, and Karen rows on. Come, Wellington.
4: Of course.
1: I hate kids.
5: Come on, the four of us had better get back to that library.
2: So, where do we start?
5: That's Jacob's desk over there. We can look through that and-
0: Just then, Gus scrambled over to the bookcase and began chaotically looking through all the books, yanking them from their shelves and quickly tossing them aside.
5: What's Gus doing?
1: I have no idea. Let's just look at the desk. I don't know what's gotten into him tonight, but I've had quite enough of it. What's with all these books on machinery? I thought Dred was a banker.
5: Yes, he was. But he was fascinated by gadgets and contraptions. A bit of a hobbyist, he loved to tinker. He actually kept a little workshop in their Fifth Avenue apartment for a time.
1: Ah, here's his journal.
5: Quick, let's have a look. Mm. Suddenly, Phineas Mm. felt a
4: tug and
0: turned to see Gus holding a book up to him. It was old Mm. and bound in red leather, and several letters stuck out from its pages.
2: What's
4: this, Gus?
2: Personal correspondence of William Gracie.
5: All
2: right, all right, I'll look at it.
5: Here, October 9th. Jacob talks about going into the city to do the recording, but nothing about the lockbox.
2: Look over the days prior.
1: He had to have mentioned it somewhere.
2: Ezra, might I have a word?
1: One moment, Finn.
2: Now, please.
1: What? What is it?
2: I think this is what Gus was trying to tell us earlier. Read this. January
1: 10th. Angus is to be moved to the Pennsylvania hospital tonight. I cannot help but feel immense grief for what I am doing, and pray that God will forgive me, and my boy can at last begin to find some peace. What? And look at this. He no longer speaks and has begun to respond violently to our care. I have placed him in a separate room where he may find peace and solitude.
2: Wait... This was his house, Ezra. Gus grew up here.
1: Gus? This is what you were trying to show us? Mm Mm-hmm.
2: I knew he was old, (laughs) but... You know as well as I do that there are workarounds for that, and I'm not talking about my snake oil.
1: Yeah, well, let's just keep that tidbit between us. I really don't think Maud would... Hey, wait... That means you know about the secret passages, right? Mm -hmm. I'd bet you anything that's the key to this whole thing. Is there one in here? With that, the trio
0: began tapping walls and pulling everything that wasn't nailed down, all in the hopes of finding some secret door that would lead them to their prize. But alas, in
1: vain. This is getting us nowhere. I knew it was foolish to get our hopes up. Mangy Kerr, why don't you just- Oh,
5: Pilgrim's on the bottom! Do what now? I found it here. It says Jacob found an old secret passage when he looked at that copy of Pilgrim's Progress. It's a false book. and must activate a lever or something.
2: Let's give it a try. The bookcase hinged open, revealing a long, narrow hallway shrouded in shadow. Ah.
1: Now we're in business. Maud, uh, grab that candle and come on.
2: You think this is really gonna take us to the inheritance?
1: Only one way to find out. We follow this passage and see where it ends.
5: I don't know if it's this creepy hall getting to me or if I'm just being paranoid, but I have to say, I'm a bit perturbed by the Major's death.
2: I would be surprised if you weren't.
5: No, no, not just the murder, but how he was found. There was no one else in that room.
1: What? Do you think it was that ghost you were telling us
5: about? How else can you explain it? Almost everyone was accounted for. And this has already been such a strange and unnatural night. Perhaps he wants to finally take back his home.
1: Don't be foolish. There's no such thing as ghosts.
5: I'll remember you said that.
2: Looks like a light up ahead.
1: It might be a way out.
5: And away on to Easy Street.
1: Let's go. Millionaire's Row, here we come. The group excitedly
0: charged for the door and burst through it. To their dismay, however, they found themselves stumbling headfirst into a long, barren pond, surrounded by thick brush and trees, like a small forest encased in glass. A symphony of cawing ravens rang out as they watched from the branches above.
5: The aviary...
2: How on earth would it lead us here?
5: Jacob did love his birds.
0: He certainly did. The group turned to see Florence dread standing in the clearing. Enoch launched off from her hand to join his fellow fowl amongst the branches. Do you three know
6: why we keep ravens here? It's a charming tale. A long time ago, a girl that lived here was sent a pair of ravens by a far-off lover but she could not return their affections. She married another man and moved away, but before she did, she met the lover one last time and they set the Ravens free together. Since then, Ravens have always migrated here. After a time, we Dreads started taking care of them. We built this space to keep them well fed and protected from the elements.
2: There's quite a lot of history here.
6: There is.
0: Our history. Florence started to near them as she picked up a hatchet from a pile of gardening equipment. The ravens began to stir more, fluttering around and droning their awful cause. Do you know how many dreads
6: have died in these halls? Why, I'm sure this house could be a relation. There's enough of our blood in the floorboards.
1: All the more reason not to ruin that floor with our blood. We'd hate to mess up that finish.
6: I have been more than accommodating. More than reasonable.
1: Yeah? Were you being reasonable when you murdered Bertie? I did
6: no such thing but to protect our home. Our legacy. After all the chances I have given you, I think this is a perfectly
0: reasonable course of action. Florence raised the hatchet as the four winced, fearing she was all over, when suddenly... What was that? From above, a thick, dark substance began pouring down on Florence, quickly covering her from head to toe. What on earth? It's molasses!
6: My pretty birdies look hungry.
0: What? Oh
6: no. Die to feed.
2: <laughs>
0: with that, a deluge of birds was draped on folds, no, no. and a legion of ravenous ravens descended upon her. And very soon, the dark amber pool of molasses was replaced with the bright vermilion of blood. And all, as Miss Sweeney and the boys watched on in disbelief and horror, and the phantom's <laughs> booming laugh echoed through the aviator,
5: do you believe in ghosts now? We gotta get
0: out of here! The four hurtled through the fluttering sea of feeding ravens, fending them off as the bird swooped down at, them. at last, they made it to the door and back into the hallway, but not before Enoch slipped out the door with them and flew off down the hall. Uh,
2: we made
1: it. <sighs> I hate that bird, I hate it
2: so much. What do we do now? As two people did in the same night.
5: That voice wasn't anyone in this house. You three all heard it. It has to be the Mad Gracie.
1: We're gonna die in here. This is it. We're gonna die tonight. We are not gonna die. Phineas, I need to come clean about something in case we die. We
2: are not going to- I
1: never called the mechanic earlier. What? I just spent that time looking for some stuff I could pinch. How dare you? Lady, ghost or not, we are gonna die. And I never would have done it if I knew it would all lead to this.
2: Okay, you and I will hash this out later. What we need to do now is gather the children and the hobs and figure out what comes next. Oh no.
5: That was in the ballroom.
2: Hurry!
0: They rushed into the grand ballroom and there, beneath the glow of the Christmas tree, with its shimmering tinsel and shining lights, laid the twins, Wellington and Forsythia, crushed under the weight of an enormous
2: crystal chandelier.
5: Oh my god! My god!
1: What is happening?
2: This doesn't make any sense. That would make us the only ones left. Other than the- What have you done? You murderers! What are you talking about?
1: You're the murderers. You're all crazy. It's the ghost. Ghost? What the devil are you talking about, woman? (laughs) That would be the voice in question, Mr. Hobbs. Just then, Phineas noticed Enoch. ...flutter down
0: from the rafters and land on the fantastic pipe organ at the other end of the room.
5: Don't you see? The Mad Gracie wants his house back and he's willing to kill to get it!
2: It wasn't the ghost. Finn, I know
1: you're not deaf. You clearly just heard that laugh.
2: It wasn't a ghost. It wasn't any of us. Was it? Enoch? (laughs) Enoch? He's the only one here that was witness to every single murder. It's like you said, Maud. Ravens are very smart. Earlier, before Jacob's will was read, you'll recall Enoch landed on that painting and said the word I don't think he was referring to the name of the painting. I think he was referring to the painting itself. I didn't see an exit wound on the Major and yet Maud pointed out a bullet hole in the painting. Then after the Major was dead, he not was saying the words seed and food. So Florence took him to the aviary, where she was covered in seed and pecked to death by the flock of ravens. Now he's in here, and the children are dead.
4: Surely you don't mean...
2: I do. In Jacob's study, Ezra, what did you say about the books on his desk? That
1: he had a lot of books on machinery. Exactly.
2: And Maud, you said he had a fascination with gadgets, gizmos, contraptions, whatever. Jacob hated his family and had no intention of anyone finding that lockbox. His will made that evident. He arranged this wild goose chase and set up traps all over the house to give you all what he thought you deserved. And he trained Enoch to set them all off for him, thus ensuring no one would ever get his fortune.
4: Well, I've got to hand it to you. That is some tale you whipped up. I'm really impressed. You four are clearly in the midst of some conspiracy to wipe out the dreads and take the fortune for yourself. A trained murder bird? That is without a doubt the most absurd thing I have ever heard. You four are going away for
3: a long, long time.
0: At that moment, Enoch hopped onto the keys of the organ, letting out a shrill, bone-chilling note. Suddenly... The floor started opening up beneath the Hobbs brothers, revealing a deep pit filled with sand. Xavier was the first to lose his footing and fall in. Parts of the floor began to tilt downward, causing Roland to topple in on top of his brother, followed finally Ah, by Harper. They tried to make their way to the
4: edge of the pit, but quickly found
0: their feet and ankles sinking.
4: It's quicksand! Are you kidding me? Oh god, you were right! Oh, it was all true! Quick! Give us your hands! It's getting too deep! Harper, I'll lift you! It won't work! At that exact
0: moment, and without warning, the mammoth Christmas tree began to tip over the edge and came hurtling down towards ah! Then all was silent, and slowly, the mighty Christmas tree and the Hobbs brothers vanished below the sands, and the wood floor slipped back into place, resuming its original shape. Like nothing had ever happened.
2: Well, it's just like you said, Maud. Jacob had his eccentricities. I think it's time for us to get out of here.
1: Are you joking? Everyone's gone. That means it's only us left who can find the lockbox.
2: If there even is a lockbox.
5: I know, Jacob. If he went to the trouble of setting all of these traps up, he'd definitely hit the box somewhere in this house.
2: What about Enoch? There could still be more traps for him to set off.
5: That's simple. Come here, Enoch.
2: Enoch
0: soared across the room and perched on Maud's hand. Slowly, she reached up around the bird's neck and started squeezing as it began fluttering and flapping, trying anything to escape her grasp. What are you...
5: I always hated this infernal bird. There. No more traps.
1: Uh, See? It's that simple. Now, let's go find that inheritance. Gus agrees with me, right, Gus? Gus?
2: He must have figured something out. Let's go, quickly. He must
1: really be onto something. Come on!
5: It's a dead end. Why, there's nothing here but that old bust. Well,
1: don't just stand there staring, Gus. What are you playing at?
0: Gus was quiet as he began feeling around the molding of the recessed alcove the bust sat in.
1: Hmm. No name. Just has a date at the base. 1750. Maud, you're our historian here. Do you know who that bust is of?
5: The boy? Not really. It's been here as long as I can remember. No one ever comes down this hallway. I recall hearing some story once that he was a child that was lost... Angus? Yes, yes, that was it.
0: Then, suddenly as if remembering a detail from a half-forgotten dream, Gus <laughs> slipped his hand up to the center of the zero on the base. The recess and accompanying wall pulled back to reveal an old, rickety elevator. Gus let out an elated <laughs> grunt and
1: scrambled in, beckoning the others to join
5: <laughs> How would he... It's
1: better if we leave that question unanswered. Now, come on. You think it's safe? I'd say it's worth the risk. All right, Gus. Start cranking.
0: Gus began operating the mechanism, and up they began to climb into the upper sanctums of the mansion.
5: I've never seen this part of the house. I don't even know where something like this would fit.
2: That Gracie may have been crazy, but I'm starting to reckon he might have been a genius, too. Be careful, Gus. There still may be a trick or two, old man left.
1: <laughs> Gus! Let's get that moolah!
2: Oh, jeez.
0: They quickly followed Gus through an old wooden door, but it was not at all the plush sanctuary they were expecting. What they found was a cold, ramshackle room Forgotten by time. To anyone else, it would have been a prison cell. But to Gus, who was joyously bouncing atop the dilapidated trundle bed in the corner, it it may as well have been the Ritz.
1: Gus, what is this? Ezra. No. Gus, I want to know what you're playing at here. I thought you dragged us to this house to find some fortune, and you just bring us all this way to show us... What, exactly? Some run-down room in a gloomy tower? Ezra, look! That's when Ezra saw it. Carved deep
0: into the wall, the name Gus. Gus jumped down from his bed and pointed from the carving to himself and motioned for his friends to wait. He walked to a corner, removed a series of broken bricks from the wall, and there, laying deep in a carved-out hole, laid an iron lockbox. THE INHERITANCE! YOU DID IT, YOU CRAZY LITTLE DEVIL! (laughs) QUICK, GRAB IT! Gus, however, reached deeper in and pulled out an old doll. He looked at it, beaming with joy and pride, and squeezed
1: it tight. Mm -hmm.
2: We were never here for the money.
1: He just wanted his
2: old toy.
1: Fine. That'll be your share, Gus.
5: Actually, the toy will be your collective share, gentlemen. Step away from the box.
2: Uh, Miss Sweeney, what are you doing with that gun?
5: I work for this family as a servant and babysitter for 16 years, and you expect me to just let some strangers walk away with the bulk of the wealth? That money is mine. I earned it. Now back away.
1: Come on, lady, you-
5: Jiminy crickets! Next one goes between your eyes, Beanpole.
0: The trio backed away from the hole and towards the door. Maud edged closer and closer to her treasure. Gun still pointed straight at them. Finally, she reached her prize.
5: Oh, at last. Now don't go anywhere, boys. I'm going to need all three of you for what comes next.
1: Huh? Next? It's over. You get the money, we get our lives. End of transaction.
5: Oh, were it that simple? No, no, no. Leave me with all these bodies, and there's sure to be questions. If I keep you here, however, and tell them the tale of how three crazed criminals broke into our home, well, they just eat that story right up. You see, you've been my salvation all along. You led me right to the inheritance, and now you're going to give me a clear alibi. And on Christmas Eve of all nights, you really are the gift that keeps on giving.
2: Jacob Dredd didn't die of natural causes, did he?
5: You know, you get to a certain age, and you just can't handle strychnine like you did in your youth.
2: You really
1: think the cops are going to believe you over the three of us?
5: (laughs) Wouldn't you? Now, if you'll just give me one moment, it's time to get what's mine.
0: With the gun still pointed towards them, Maud turned and pulled the lockbox out from its resting place. She began to turn away with her prize, but suddenly met resistance and heard a metal click. Her eyes widened as she noticed a long black cord leading from the box back into the wall. Then the ticking started. Jacob's final trap. A few frantic glances, and the boys made a dash for the lift. No! Maude lifted the gun at them, but Gus jumped forward, swinging his iron ball through the air and sending it hurtling at her shin. She wailed as she toppled over in agony. The trio boarded the lift and rapidly descended, almost entering freefall, until they landed with a crash. They looked back up the tower for a moment as Maude's screams echoed down. When suddenly, the explosion rocked the house as the tower was torn asunder, sending fiery ash and debris cascading down. The blaze quickly spread to the rest of the house.
2: We gotta get out of here.
0: Run! They set off through the house, running as fast as they could as the inferno grew around them. At last, they made it to the door. Phineas and Ezra rushed out, but Gus stopped at the threshold and took one last look at his childhood home. Then, for the final time, Gus left the house, just as the roof of the Eastern Wing began to collapse. The three hurried to a safe distance, then collapsed on an embankment, and watched as the house was slowly devoured by the flames.
1: Well, Merry Christmas, boys. Sorry about your house, Gus. Hmm. I...
0: Don't believe it. John? Been looking everywhere for you, boys. What in the world happened here?
2: You no, know, John, it's Christmas, and we've still got a ways to go. But tell you on the way to Yonkers. Hop in.
0: Yup, that's just about the way it happened. They told me the whole story on the way home and ended up spending Christmas Day with us. I remember Sarah ended up having to roast a whole extra chicken. And who knows if all the story was true. Maybe none of it at all. Believe as much of it as you want to believe. Still, for me, I'll always fondly remember that frosty Christmas back in 1920-something when I found three friendly hitchhikers out in a blizzard, brought them home, and ended up having one of the best Christmases me and my family have ever had. I certainly hope you and yours have a happy holiday. And keep an eye out next time you're driving down a lonely road late at night. You never know when you'll see those hitchhikers next. Till we see each other again. Good night.
3: We hope you've enjoyed Home for the Holidays, a grim story. Our cast this episode featured the voice talents of Carlos Marin as John Sherman, Nick Barbera as Ezra and Jacob Dredd, Jeremy Hudson as Phineas, Mason Betterly as Gus Gracie, Dusty Ladwig as Maude Sweeney, Shanna Stoker as Florence McGriffin Dredd, Kira Furman as Forsythia Dredd, Jack Salazar as Wellington Dredd, Tom Varner as Major Bertram Dredd, Ethan Mann as Roland Hobbs, Andrew Grabowski as Harper Hobbs, and Javier Lopez Santiago as Xavier Hobbs. Original score by Aaron Daniel Jacob. Brennan Betterly, producer. Tyler Yaney, audio specialist. Lizzie Potter, media coordinator. Special thanks to Pete Carcillo and the many Imagineers that brought the Dread family to life. You can support our show by leaving a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, or follow us on Instagram at Grimm underscore podcast. Grimm is a non-profit, unofficial Haunted Mansion fiction, written and directed by Mason Betterly, and inspired by stories, concepts, and actual historical events. It is not in any way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company,
7: nor does it reflect the company's views.